Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Hey, week one of Caption This. So over the past four days, we've been having a contest on social media for the comment that gets the most likes. And the comment was to serve as a caption for this picture that was posted on the DCC social media pages. For those of you that recognize him, that is a candid shot of Lincoln Petrouche. He is the son of our administrative pastor, Andrew Petrouche, and his wife, Deanna. And we had a number of captions that were submitted. A few of them were actually good. And um, it should be as no surprise um, that for the majority of this time, something happened uh, uh, between 7 and, and 8 o'clock this morning. But let's say between 7 and 9 o'clock because I had this thing won. And it's not a surprise to you that I did. Um, I did. I had 17 likes on Facebook. I had 8 likes and 2 comments on Instagram. And I had this thing in the bag because my caption for this picture was, can you believe my dad wears skinny jeans? And uh, I had it won, but, but something happened, and um, I had already decided because I'm on staff that I was ineligible to win, and so I was going to award it to our second place winner, but she, she wanted to go ahead and make sure that, that she won it fair and square. And so Courtney Robinson, who was in first service, she came in with a strong, I think now it's up to 22 likes, unless you go and you like it and give her more bragging rights. Um, and, and, and her caption, she got a $5 gift card for this, for this caption to the blend, to our coffee shop. Her caption was this, the look you give when you're sipping your coffee and Pastor Rocky drops the heat as if he's talking to you. <laughs> well, today as we kick off this new series, caption this, I want you to know that I am talking to you. So rest assured in that. Church, I've come to realize that external changes, the things that happen outside of, of us, the external changes, they do not bring the same results as the internal changes. That if you really want something to change, it has to start on the inside and then it will work its way out. Uh, for instance, you can change your hair, and some of you do often. Um, you can change your address. You can move. You can change jobs if you want to. If you're in college, you can change your major. You can change your school. You can change your friends. Hey, you can even change your church. You might think, well, I'm going to go find me a better church. You can do that. And, and, and you can even change your spouse. But until you change your mindset, you will always find yourself in the same situation. And what I have noticed about God in my experience is that God allows us to keep going through similar situations until we learn how to respond to them. That is what God allows for our lives. He allows us to continue going through the same type of situation because God is more interested in growing you than blessing you. But I'm just thankful that there are moments when God does bless us. But God wants to mature us. God wants to grow us. God wants to make us more into the image of Christ. And that is the direction that God is moving with our lives. And so sometimes we find ourselves repeating ourselves. Our, our, our lives just keep going through the same circumstances, the same situations. And, and we have to get to the place to where we realize that, that maybe God has us in that boat. Maybe God has us in that situation time and time again because there's a lesson for us to be learned life often presents snapshots of dire circumstances 
moments that, that catch us off guard, and, and these moments may cause us to doubt. At first glance, we will have a tendency to caption that moment with a faithless thought. Maybe, maybe these are some of the thoughts that you've had as you've captioned some of, of life's circumstances. Maybe you've said, I can't handle this. And that's the caption that you assign to that season of your life. Or, or maybe you say, I don't know if I will survive. Or, or she doesn't love me. Or he doesn't care. Maybe you've said, they don't appreciate me. Maybe you, you've, you've thought, I've made too many mistakes. Or maybe you've said, he will never forgive me. For some of us, our worst enemy is living between our ears. Our worst enemy is our own mind. Because we let the enemy infiltrate our minds and, and, and do a work in us. I believe this is why the Apostle Paul wrote Romans 12 and 2. When he said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't conform. Transform your mind. Renew your mind. He would go on to say in Colossians 3 and 10, Paul writes, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. You see, un until you start thinking like the divine, you will always succumb to the natural. Until you start realizing the plan that God has for you and the outcome that God has for you and what God wants for your life, you are always going to fail to what the natural circumstances are around you. You know, I, I'm convinced if we will ever learn to lose our minds, we will find His. You see, some of you walk in here on Sundays and, and you're like a knot on a log, man. There, there's nothing going to get you to move to worship God. That's okay. We have a lot of different types of worshipers in here, and I don't claim that everyone should, should be like everyone else. But, but some people are extremely subdued, and you look at some of us that, that we like to clap, and we like to raise our hands, and every once in a while you might, you might find them cutting a jig or something during worship, and you look at them like they've lost their mind. Maybe you should try and lose your mind because it's the fastest way to find his. Let this mind which was in Christ Jesus also be in you. I've got to find the mind of Christ. If I'm going to survive this thing called life, I must, I must find the mind of Christ. Fear calls one soldier to say to his major, he said, Sir, we are surrounded on all sides by our enemy. But faith calls the major to reply, Excellent, we can attack in any direction. You see, it's all in the way you caption this thing called life. How are you captioning this thing? What is the mindset that you have? Because a, a bad mindset, church, it's like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you learn to change it. But once you change it, you're going to see God begin to open up avenues for your life. You're going to see doors open that you've never thought were possible. But God will bring you to those places. I, I like what the great Henry Ford said. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Proverbs 23 and 7 tells us this, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. So whatever mindset that you have for your life, that's what you're going to become. 
There's power in the way that you caption your circumstances. And if you remember, there, there was a song that we used to sing when we were kids. For those of us that grew up in church, and I know there's a lot of, of people that were unchurched before you came to Destiny Community Church, and I love that. I don't want to change that. Um, matter of fact, I think sometimes you have a more realistic view of God than some of us that have been raised in church. But, but there was a song that we used to sing, and, and it had a number of verses to it. I don't even know if I can remember all the verses to it. Maybe we'll sing one each week or something. But, but th this, this song, it, it, it went like this, and this one part, this one, one stanza stands out to me, and it said, Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Remember that? Be careful, little mind, what you think. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mind, what you think. Anybody remember that song? Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I want to read verses 1 through 6 to you today. Jesus and his disciples are leaving the, Gala, the area of Galilee, and, and, and they are, are, are walking towards his, ho his hometown, and they, they find themselves standing there in, in that region of Nazareth. And that's where I want to pick up the scripture today, and, and, and I want us to pull a few thoughts out of this, and then, then we're going to worship some more. Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. One might experience some theological confusion if you're not careful to examine these verses. If you don't dig in and find out what's actually happen, happening, you're probably going to walk away from this particular passage and be very confused because it almost appears that the power of Christ to perform miracles is dependent upon the amount of faith that a person has. If you're not careful, you might read this to understand that, that maybe the power of God is fueled by man's faith. And, and church, I can assure you that God is not controlled by man's ability to believe or not believe. Your, your faith has never made God any more powerful than he already is, and your doubt has never made God any less powerful. God's omnipotence is not controlled by you. God's omnipotence is not controlled by me. Whether I believe or not does not make God any less powerful. When the psalmist said these words, magnify the Lord with me, he, he wasn't suggesting that we need to make God bigger. What he was suggesting is that our view of God, our opinion of God, the way that we see God needs to expand. We need to allow our minds to grow with this. So Mark said in our text that, that Jesus couldn't do any miracles because uh, among them except to heal a few people, a few sick people because of their unbelief. 
Matthew tells this same story. He words it a little bit different. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 58. In the New Living Translation, it reads like this. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Again, if you don't dig in, you're, you're probably not going to find out exactly what's being said. But the, the, the Greek actually translates that Jesus was not willing to perform miracles there because of their lack of faith. That because they could not believe, he was not willing to perform the miracles that they needed because of their lack of faith. I doubt they were even asking. And it was a choice that Jesus made. It was not a lack of power. You know, there have been some moments in my life that I have chosen not to bless my children because I look at the bigger picture and I know that it would not be beneficial for their life in order for me to bless them, bail them out, whatever that looks like. A good parent, you understand what I'm talking about. Some of you, you give your kids everything and you're going to pay for it later on in life. But I'm just letting you know the way we've raised our kids. We, we've looked at them and re- helped them realize there's consequences for your actions. And, and so last year, I believe it was last year, Kendall up at college, she... Um, Cleveland, Tennessee, she got pulled over for running a red light. And like everybody in prison, she's innocent. (laughs) She ran the red light and I told her, I said, hey, I didn't break the law. You did. You're going to have to pay for this. This is, this is coming out of, out of your bank account. Daddy's not bailing you out on this one. You did. And, And Kendall's declaring up and down. I did not run the red light. And I said, well, then you have a choice to make. You can either pay the ticket or you can appeal the ticket and you can go stand before a judge and possibly your accuser, the officer, is going to be there also. And, and by the way, let me remind you, he said he has video footage of you running the red light. It's your choice. What do you want to do? She paid the ticket. <laughs> and she still declares that she's innocent. But, but nevertheless, she paid the ticket. Now, I could have went up there. I could have paid the ticket for her. I could have went to court with her, but this was one of those moments that I'm realizing at the time, I believe she was around 20 years old, and I, I, I was realizing this is a moment for Kendall to grow. She needs to learn to handle these types of situations on her own. You see, church, God is not interested in producing uh, uh, spoiled, rotten brats. That's not what God wants out of his children. That's what we want him to do for us. We want God to spoil us. But God wants grateful children that appreciate what he does for them. God wants faithful children that are full of faith. Faithful. And if it takes him choosing not to, to build your faith, he will. And I've learned that the hard way in my own life. There's moments that God just chooses not to. And when God chooses not to, how do you caption that? Proverbs 3 and 12 says, For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. In the New Testament, it's echoed with Hebrews 12 and 6, where it says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and and chastises every son whom he receives. You, You see, you might caption your current situation as God doesn't love me or 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 where is God? God doesn't care. But in reality, the fact that God chooses to bring correction to our lives, whether by his own hand or or whether he allows a circumstance to bring that correction, the fact that he is bringing that correction 
resurrection proves to us that God does love us and God does not want us as spoiled rotten brats. It's important for us to notice the wavering of, of their faith in Nazareth. You see, at first, it seemed they were fascinated with Jesus. In verse 2, it says, And many who heard him were amazed. In verse 2, it, it, it seems like they're on the right path. I mean, if you're amazed at someone who is speaking and performing miracles, if you're amazed at that, it feels like in that moment you're going to have great faith in that person. But it's the very next verse that concerns me because the next verse, they reason themselves out of a miracle. And they start saying things like, like oh, he's just a carpenter. That's just, that's just Mary's son. You know, he's just one of those brothers. That's all he is. He's just one of the brothers, one of the carpenter's sons. He, he's, he's just one of the brothers. And, and by the way, his sisters live with us. They live all around us. We know this guy. He's not capable of this kind of stuff. There's nothing special about him. Church, be careful not to reason yourself right out of a miracle. When you need God, when you need God's touch upon your life, You've got to learn to stop looking at things in the natural and know that God can. And even if he doesn't, like the three Hebrew children, even if he doesn't, we know that our God is able. You see, that's what faith is about. That's what it means to be full of faith. And we cannot, we should not reason ourselves out of a miracle because you'll talk yourself right out of he is able to God doesn't care about me to I don't even know if there is a God. And if you've ever talked yourself into that, you're not by yourself because I've been there many times in my life. He is able. Well, he must not care about me. I'm not even sure if he exists. Romans 8 and 6 tells us the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Don't you want to have life and peace in your circumstances? Don't you want the peace of God just to flood your circumstance that, that no matter what you're going through, you just have faith in that moment that God is going to bring you through this? Because you can't walk in faith and worry at the same time. It's impossible. You can't walk in faith and worry at the same time. You can't claim to be a believer and live your life in doubt. Because that's not believing. And what he calls and requires out of us is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He wants us believing. And it's time that some of us tell the negative committee that meets inside of our heads that the meeting is adjourned and is officially dissolved from here on out. That's what we need. We need to declare these things over our lives. I have to wonder though, these people in Nazareth, they recognized something. They were amazed. But yet they reasoned themselves out of miracles. And I wonder, just because of that, that, that pride, maybe it was because some of them liked being the victim. You ever met anybody that likes being the victim? Be careful with that. The very thing that 
God wants to deliver you from has become your identity. Don't, don't be the victim for the rest of your life. There comes a point in time when spiritually you got to get over it. Oh, I'm not making any friends right now. That's okay. It's okay. Second service of amen me if you don't. You ever met someone that they're offended by every word that is said? They walk into a conversation. They walk into a room looking for a reason to be offended. You better get away from that mindset. Our society is developing us into a bunch of, of weaklings who no longer believe. We've got to get back to the place to where we, as believers, actually believe. That we put our faith in a God that we know ordains our steps. And learning to caption life's trials correctly will bring about faith and freedom in your life. And that's all those, those people from Nazareth, that's all they had to do. We're amazed by him, but let's don't reason our way out of this. You see, for some of us, we... We need to learn to, 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 to caption our lives in such a way that, that instead of saying, I'm broke, we need to declare, my father owns it all. Instead of saying, my marriage is dead, we need to be declaring, my God can resurrect. Instead of saying, I'm done, declare, God's just getting started. That's the mindset that the church has to develop. We've got to learn to caption our lives by faith and not by our circumstances. As a teenager, there was a young man by the name of David Hicks that, that questioned life. He questioned his purpose for living. He struggled in school and, and he had no idea what he was going to do. He was rebellious. And finally, he had the idea to go into the military and he was 17 years old when he convinced his parents to let him sign up for the military and they honestly thought because of his lack of direction in life, this will be the best thing for him. And the army taught David some useful skills that gave him some discipline, a sense of accomplishment and, and even for, for a moment he had this, this taste of success because he quickly rose through the ranks. But David was still missing something in his life and he began experimenting with, with behaviors that he wrongfully associated with maturity and with manhood. He was living hard, partying. He spent all of his free time in bars, dance clubs, just wasting his life away, heavy drinking. And soon he began losing control. Many times David would go to sleep at night and he would not remember how he even got back to the barracks. He was afraid to wake up and get out of bed because he wasn't sure if he had completed his responsibilities the night before. What he had done and what he failed to do. He felt discouraged and he was so disappointed in himself that, that David was ready to give up on life. And just when it seemed that he had hit rock bottom, he was asked by one of his commanding officers to escort a company of soldiers to a chapel service on base. And there was something that was said in that chaplain's message that day that gripped his heart. And hours later, David found himself in the chaplain's office pouring his heart out, sharing every pain, every burden from when he was a small child up to where he was at now in life. He didn't know what he was doing there, but he had someone that was willing to listen to all of his struggles. 
The chaplain listened with great compassion, and, and, and then he asked David this thought-provoking question. Here's what he said to David. He said, Sergeant, how would you like to start life all over again? David had his captions ready. Here's the things that he started spitting out. I can't become who you want me to be. How could God ever forgive me for what I've done? How could I ever forgive myself? The chaplain took some time to explain to David that we've all sinned, that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that there's not one person that is exempt from that, that we all have sinned. We're all sinners. And then he explained how Christ made a way out of that sin and that he paid the price for us. Listening to the chaplain share these truths, David said, my defenses were shattered. For the first time, I realized that I needed the help of someone greater than myself. I swallowed my pride and invited Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. That day, David began a journey of transformation. It, it became a journey of faith. And along the way, he found some answers to life's questions that had haunted him for years. And he discovered meaning and he discovered purpose. He found hope. He found peace. David found joy. And, and this was such a great experience for him and such an impactful moment that David decided that he was going to devote the rest of his life to helping other soldiers find their way. So he became a chaplain. And he served from 1974 to 2007, eventually obtaining the rank of Major General. David, he chose to con continue to excel in, in, in his chaplaincy. And, and eventually, in, in 2003, he became the chief of chaplains and led 3,000 chaplains all over the world, holding the highest rank of chaplaincy. And, and, and he the, these, these chaplains that he was sowing into, even today, they still impact all around this world. After 43 years of service, David is now retired, but his legacy lives on. Can you imagine the countless young men and women that have poured their hearts out to him for spiritual guidance? Can you imagine how many families he's ministered to as their son or their daughter paid the ultimate sacrifice and gave their life for this nation? This man has had such an impact. His life is a legacy, all because he, he changed his caption for his life. Major General David Hicks is quoted as saying these words, We tend to look at everything as if it's permanent, and this is all temporary. As we move along our journey in life, there's going to be some difficult times, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. You may not see it at the moment, but there's always a reason for hope. Maybe you're one of those people today. You walked into this room and you think, I'm too far gone. Maybe that's the caption that you've labeled your life with. I'm too far gone. How could God ever forgive me? How can I ever forgive myself? You can either see yourself as a sinful mess or you can choose to see yourself as a candidate for salvation. But, but you are the only one in this room that can choose that caption. You've got to make that decision for your life. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.